Good to see so many people back. I know a lot of people on holiday, but it's so good just to see all these faces. And uh, I just uh, look at all the the kids that have grown up so quickly. I see they've all like almost doubled in size. I don't know what's happened in the last six months, but God is. I want to share a story with you today, and uh, I've entitled my the real deal. And why I've entitled my sermon The Real Deal is I was, I was, in, who's been watching the news this week? It's been crazy, you know. Um, and uh, the church is not doing well. <laughs> the church is not doing well with the media at the moment. I think, you know, everything has just gone haywire in the church. It's almost like, you know, everything's a cult and this and that. And, you know, pastors against pastor and prophet against prophet. And it's chaos out at the moment. And uh, someone said to me, someone asked me a question this week while I was chatting to them. And they said to me, how is it possible that we can serve the same Jesus and act so differently? How is it possible that we can read the same word of God and have such a different outcome or different opinion to what the word of God really says? Now, I want to tell you a story quickly because I've, I'll, I'll make a confession with you guys this morning. I've got a problem with something, and it's peanut butter. <laughs> now, I haven't got a problem with peanut butter during the day, and I haven't got a problem with peanut butter at night. The problem I have with peanut butter is that I love, love having peanut butter and jam or peanut butter and syrup about 10, 11 o'clock at night. All right, so this becomes an issue when you wake up or you're just about to fall asleep and, well, we need a glass of milk, we need peanut butter, we need a lot of butter, we need syrup, and we need jam. So my wife, in all her loving kindness and, uh, you know, because she likes me, she decides, no, no, she's going to buy me this healthy peanut butter. Who's seen that healthy peanut butter? Okay, so she bought me, I'm not going to mention the name, but she bought me this healthy peanut butter. And on the front of the bottle it said, real peanut butter, no sugar, no salt, no zectatol, no preservatives, no what uh, stabilizers, and the only thing that sounds like it had in was peanuts. <laughs> now, I don't know if any of you try to eat healthy. All of us have obviously got a little bit more chunkier during lockdown. But sometimes... It's not the real thing. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, we've all got a specific brand of things that we like, and there's, there's a specific brand of, of peanut butter that I like. All right? And, and that, for me, is peanut butter. This whole diet, healthy, I'm going to die kind of a peanut butter just didn't work for me. The cause of it is that now I don't eat peanut butter anymore because that's the only peanut butter I've got in the cupboard. And my wife let me buy the bad peanut butter. But I'm telling you the story because so often what we think is real is often not so real. And what we, what we believe in, we really need to question at times in our faith. And especially when it comes to the church and when it comes to us as believers. Because as a believer, you know, it, it, to be Christ-like is what God has called you and I to be. And if you and I need to be Christ-like, maybe you and I need to understand a little bit of who Christ is and what Christ really meant for us. Because it's easy, we can take the scripture, and I, I said to you guys before I watched this, this series during lockdown, cults and, cults and something, stream beliefs and cults. And I said, Chantal, it was amazing that I watched all these things form, and yet they were preaching out of the very same Bible that we're preaching out of. 
That there's churches out there doing the craziest of stuff. And they're preaching out of the same word that you're preaching out of. And I really thought about this because I think believe, I really believe this morning we're in a season, and I've said this before, where almost God is resetting the church. That what needs to be exposed is exposed, and what needs to be brought out is being brought out. But not just in our church. I think in all of our private lives, and even where we are today, that many of you have been challenged in the last few months. Many of you have been challenged in your work situation, in your relationships. Many of you have been challenged finances. Many of you have had to cope with lockdown, if you're like me and love people. Lockdown was a terrible thing, being away from everybody else. But we've had our challenges, and we've had to face our challenges head on in the season we're in. But I want to ask you that what you're involved with, and this Jesus that you serve, is he the real deal? Is he the real deal in your life, or is he just something that you believe that you should do? Or something that your parents brought you up in? Or something that the church has preached for so long? You see, for me, Jesus Christ has to be a personal thing to me. My life should not be affected by the outcome of a church. My life should not, my relationship, in other words, should not be affected by how, what a church gathering looks like. It should not be affected by, by what kind of music I, or I listen to, if it's this Christian band or that Christian band. That my relationship with Jesus is really dependent on me. And I want you to hear this now, because the Word of God says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And if you really believe in this Jesus that we're preaching, many of you would be free from what you're battling with right now. Many of you are still enduring stuff. Many of you are still trying to work out some stuff in your life. Many of you are questioning your faith right now. Where is God in the time of need? Where is God when I really need Him? Why isn't He coming through for me? I believe that that's the crux of sin. Because we get to a place where God in need is a God indeed. That all of us, it's easy to worship God when we really need of Him. I remember you know, being saved at the age of 13 and seemed to have lost my way in the high school. But I tell you something, I was a Christian like you cannot believe exam time. <laughs> you know, when you haven't got textbooks, you need prayer. When you haven't taken notes for nine months, you need prayer. And I remember sitting on my bed and saying, Jesus, you know, if you're real, you're going to make me pass this biology exam. And God, you know how much I love you. And you know how much you mean to you. And Lord, I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm not going to drink anymore, Lord. I'm not going to flirt with other women anymore. I'm going to be a role model for you, Lord. Until that exam is finished. And you think, okay, 33 and a third, it's, it's doable. You know, we're not overachievers here. 40%, you know, it's like a student for us. But that's how life evolved. And you know what I'm talking about. And then life becomes a little bit more difficult. And you need a job and you need money. And then all of a sudden you, Jesus, you know, love you so much. Man, I go to church four weeks in a row now. You see, the issue with what we do often is for us. And it's a selfish Jesus that we worship. It's Jesus that needs to come through for me at every turn. 
It's a Jesus that needs to answer my prayers. It's a Jesus that needs to heal my marriage. It's a Jesus that needs to turn around my finances. It's a Jesus that needs to rock up and save whatever relationship there is that I'm struggling with. I read in the, in the, in the, in the, in the book of Acts, and I want to read you a story because in chapter 8, if you want to turn there, but it's a story of the church that is scattered. And the church was under immense persecution, and we know we preached about this a while back. And what happened, the disciples were scattered all over the place. Why? Because Rome wanted to destroy the church. And we all know that Saul, that later became Paul, was out there. He had just stoned Stephen to death. He stood by, and he almost gave permission for Stephen to be stoned to death. But the word says that, that the disciples scattered to all areas of or to all regions. And Philip particularly, the word of God says, in, in verse 4, he says that, okay, let me read it from verse 4, chapter 8. He says, and those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to the city in Samaria, proclaimed Christ there. He didn't proclaim Christ, he proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miracle, Side he did. They all paid close attention to what he had said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytic and cripples were healed. Listen to this. And so there was great joy in that city. That as he preached Jesus, there was a great joy that came upon the city. But listen to me. A great joy came upon the city. When I read this often, it's because they were seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. You see, we want the works of Jesus, but we don't want Jesus. And we read further down from verse 9, and it says, now for, now for some time now there was a man named Simon who had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and that all people, and all the people, both high and low, gave their attention and exclaimed, this man is divine power known as a great power. Isn't that incredible? You've got one hand doing signs, wonders, and miracles and preaching Jesus. Simon the sorcerer that is doing the same miracles, that's doing the same great things, but he's not preaching Jesus. And the word carries on, and we'll read for me, verse 11 says, And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself, Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astounded by the great things and the miracles that he saw. And so we read the story of even Simon, heart was completely changed. Simon eventually said, wow, this is something that I can do some stuff. I can do some great magic. Exactly what the disciples doing, but he says, you know what? I choose to believe what is happening here. Verse 15 says that when they arrived, and this is verse 14, and when the people in Jerusalem, the apostles in Jerusalem, heard the Samarians and accepted the word of God, and they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive 
the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them and they had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when some saw the Spirit was given at laying of hands of the apostles, he offered them money and said, give me the ability so that everyone whom I lay hands on will receive the Holy Spirit. It's a crazy story. It's a crazy story because you are somebody that has seen signs, wonders, and miracles. You are somebody that has heard Philip preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To such an extent that he becomes a believer. To such an extent that he wants what the apostles have got. The only difference was that Simon, Simon didn't want it for any other reason than for self-gain. You see, he wanted to have an ability. He wanted to have some kind of thing to show people what was happening around him. And I think so often we use the name of Jesus for everything. Somewhere along the line, Jesus is that little card in the Monopoly box that says, you know, pass, but don't pass beginning but collect 200 rand. That somewhere Jesus is just the guy that we can throw out there if we need Christian business. Or we can throw out there if we want to impress somebody else. But how many of us have revelation of Jesus and who he is? The risen Christ. The story goes on, and I'm going to paraphrase for you quickly. <coughs> Sorry. But the word of God says that, that God comes to Philip once again. And he says to Philip, I want you to go to Gaza along the sea. Because there's a man that you need to minister to. And the word of God says that Philip goes. And while he is walking, he sees a eunuch come past him. Now let me just read this quickly. And now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south of the road, the, the, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasuries, uh, the, queen, the treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So you've got to understand that what they did was they actually brought in their tithes and offerings as a sign of worship. That's what they would do. They would come and they would give, simply. And so that would be considered worship in those times. And so he came on behalf of the Queen of Candace of Ethiopia to come and worship. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked him. How can he said, unless someone explains it to me. There's a real stirring in this part as I just read the scripture this week. Because I think we've forgotten what it is to teach people who Jesus really is. For some people, Jesus has just become a curse word. For other people, like I said, he's become the God in need, is a God indeed. For others, he's just a ticket to not to go to hell because we've heard about hell and we petrified of hell and we don't want to go there. So, you know, if we can just get to Jesus, it'll be so much better. For others, it's just something we do on a Sunday. It's just we come to church and, and we want to do what needs to be done and we want to just get through this week. And sometimes we miss what God really wants to do in our lives. You see, the disciple writes this very simple thing in, in 2 Corinthians verse 11, chapter 11. And I want to read it to you quickly. If I can find it.
verse 4. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4. And so Paul writes and says this, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus that we've preached, or you receive a different spirit from that one you received, a different gospel from the one you've accepted, you put up with it easy enough, but I do not think that I am the least inferior to those super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I know not, and I have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way possible. And so Paul warns us, and he says, there are many that are going to come in the name of Jesus. There are many that are going to have a pulpit like this, and we're going to preach Jesus. And there's many, many that are going to have churches that look just like this church. And we sing the songs just like Devolt and the team sing it. But he says you've got to be careful, because if you could preach any other Jesus than the Jesus that we preach, Christ died, resurrected, sins removed from our lives, there's an issue. And I think we got to that place in church life where you and I need to ask ourselves, who is this Jesus that I worship? I can stand up here and I can say to you, well, he's a man that died on the cross of Calvary. He rose again on the third day to deliver you from your sins, that by his stripes you are healed. But, but Paul warns us, and he says, be very careful. There's a whole lot of Jesus has been preached out there. And it's not what Jesus is being preached out there, it's what, with what motive Jesus is being preached out there. And with what motive do you and I worship him today? With what motive? You see, the eunuch read the scripture. He knew the word. He had come to give worship on behalf of his, of his queen. He'd come and brought in the tithes and the offerings. He'd done everything right. And yet, where Philip finds him, standing, sitting on the chariot, reading, and having no clue to what he was reading. And often we like that. That we read this for the sake of reading it. And this is not a storybook. This is just not something you've got to do in your quiet time. This tells you about this God that we've given our lives for. That I cannot convince you who Jesus is until you read the word about him. And the eunuch turns around and he says to Philip, you know, I've I, I brought the word. I, I've got the scriptures. But he says, unless somebody explains this to me, how am I supposed to understand this Jesus? And this is where you and I come in. Because if you and I truly understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he's doing for us and what he's about to do for us, our lives will be changed forever. But you see, it's not me that needs to force Jesus on you. It is not the television programs. It's not nothing. You have to discover Jesus for yourself. So tell myself, celebrated 30 years of marriage on Tuesday. Let me tell you something. If I only knew about Chantal, we probably have not lasted 30 years. If I had just gone on stories that I told, because when I wanted to date, she refused to date me because apparently I had a reputation. <laughs> lies, I tell you, all lies. 
I was almost like a boy. I was so well behaved. But you see, I had to get to know her. I had to fall in love with her. I had to spend time with her. We had to argue about stuff. We had to sort out our differences. We had to say, well, this is the way we bring up kids. This is not the way we do stuff. This is the way we work finances. This is the way we, we work with, with business. We had to sort those things out. And the more we got to know each other, the more we fell in love with each other. And this is the Jesus that you serve. That you cannot get him out of a story. You cannot get him out of a preaching. You cannot get him out of a TV series. You have to fall in love with Jesus on your own. Because then that is the Jesus that you're going to get to know. Let's be honest. If I had to watch the news lately, and I had to look and see what is happening in churches, where pastors are fighting pastors, where prophets are fighting prophets in the court of law, where cults have been formed, where I'm not even going to go there. What kind of relationship would I have with that Jesus? It would be a bitter one. It would be a horrible kind of thing. I think most people would walk away from that kind of a cultish behavior. Why? Because they don't know who Jesus really is. You see in Colossians 1, verse 28 and 29, I'll read this to you. And this is, this is Paul writing, and he says, Christ is our message. Listen to it. If you wanna if you wanna if you wanna go home and print something and stick it on your cupboard, let's do first Colossians 28 and 29. I'm gonna read out the TPD version. It says, Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and to bring every person into the full understanding of truth. Would let me get that again? Because I think four people got it there in the back corner. So I'm gonna preach to this side now. Alright, you guys need to wake up on the side. So it says, Christ is our message. This is our mantra. This is who we are as believers. This is what you and I should be declaring every single day. When someone says to you, are you a Christian? You say, yes, um, our Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and to bring every person into the full understanding of the truth. It has become my inspiration, Paul writes, and a passion in ministry to labor with tideless intensity, with power flowing through me, to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect on in Jesus Christ. Read that again. It, is, it has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with tideless intensity, flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect and in Christ Jesus. Wow. If we just get that right. If we just get that right that we understand that we are for a purpose. We understand that we are for a plan. This is not about you where you're going to end up. Of course, yes, we want to end up in there something that when Christ has given us freely, we need to freely give the revelation of who Christ is. But we cannot give the revelation of Christ if we have not received the revelation of Christ.
You see, we, we've got this, this thing where all we do is compromise in Christ the whole time. And we think, how do people that confess to be Christians act so differently? How is it okay for one person to get away with something and for other person not to get away with something? How is it possible that some believers can act a certain way and other believers can't act a certain way? How come is it when you do something in one minute you're compromising, but in the next minute you're condemning? How do we, how do we get the balance of who we are? And there was an old little bangle. Remember we used to wear? Hey, what would Jesus do? Hey? It just sounds so doff right now. But you know, I, I, I take all of this stuff and I take all of these things that I've read over the last couple of days and, and I really come to that place that if I know Christ, I would know what Jesus would do. If I knew Christ, I knew what Jesus would do. And this is not about my emotions. This is not about who good Sutton is. This is not about Aces Family Church. This is not about eldership. This is not about nothing. This is about me. Because if I knew Christ, I would know what Jesus would do in every situation. Christ revealed the hope of glory. Christ revealed the hope of glory. I really pray. You know, Acts 4, let me go there quickly. But Acts 4 says that, sorry, these thin pages, I need to get one of those thicker pages and bigger writing. Acts 4, verse 12 says this. It says, it goes, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven and earth given to men by which a man can be saved. You know, sometimes I think we don't need to be saved from this world. Sometimes I don't think we need to be saved from our government. Sometimes we don't need to be saved from the new world order and all the conspiracy theories out there. I think sometimes we need to be saved from ourselves. Because let me tell you, the greatest battle that you and I face every day of our lives happen between these two things here. And we hate discipline. And we hate correction. And we hate being told what to do. Well, most women. We hate being... I'm joking, I'm joking. But we hate being told what to do. And, and we've always got some kind of an out. Any kid between the age of 5 and 18 right now will know what I'm talking about. Even if you caught them drawing with lipstick on your new white wall in your lounge, they will say, sorry, but. <laughs> Teenagers, they've got an excuse for anything. You can catch them red-handed. But you don't understand, he made me do it. Or you don't understand, I was just checking the color, Dad. And in our Christian world, we like that. Often when we need to discipline, when we need to bring correction, when we need to speak about this Jesus, that he's not this, this guy that just like, you know, we can do what we want to do because he loves us. 
He loves us at times because we don't know what we're doing. And I want to share this with you this morning. Yes, there's a peanut butter that hasn't got sugar and hasn't got salt and hasn't got stabilizers and hasn't got preservatives and hasn't got zectatol or whatever it is. But there's a peanut butter that's the real deal. And there's a Jesus that's the real deal. And for me, that was my revelation this week. You see, Paul writes, but I want to say this to you. I don't want to preach any other Jesus than Christ revealed the hope of glory. I don't want to preach to you what I've heard other pastors say and what I've heard in other church services. I want to preach to you as your pastor because I have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and we know each other and I know him. Why? Because we spend so much time together. You see, from the word of God says, from the the mouth speaks. And so whatever's in your heart is going to come out. And if there's bitterness and there's anger and there's resentment, that comes out. But if you spend time and you allow Jesus to captivate your heart and you learn to fall in love with him, you know what comes out of your mouth? Everything that is flowing in your heart from Christ. And yes, you might say, good, but you know what? I had difficulty in that. Let me tell you something. My biggest worship moments have been just riding a dirt bike in the middle of nowhere. There's a saying that says this. Religious people sitting in church and thinking about fishing. Believers fish and think about God. And I want to say that to you. It's so much truth that we've got so much religion added to this Jesus that we're going to do it at half past six in the morning and read four chapters and pray for 15 minutes and watch your video clip for 20 minutes. No. Grab a fishing rod. Go sit on the riverbank and get to know this man, Jesus. Go get in your mountain bike and go cycle a little bit and just zip it for a little bit. Just zip it for a second. Give him a chance. Married men, you know what I'm speaking about. You know? Just give us a chance. Give us a chance. Let's give the real deal a chance. Let's give the real deal a chance. Let's give this real Jesus a chance. Christ is our message. We preached to awaken hearts and to bring every person into the full understanding of our faith. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with tideless intensity, with power flowing through me, to present Christ, to to present to every believer the revelation of this perfect one we have in Christ Jesus. You know, when we go back to Acts 12, I was preaching, there was an incredible piece right at the end. And it's this, in verse 18 says, And Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of the apostles' hands, and he offered them money to me, also this ability, so that everyone whom I have laid hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter answered and said, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. If you have no part of all, share in this ministry, because, but because your heart is not right before God. You see, one stuff, but sometimes our heart is not right before God. And I want you to stand this morning with me.
And would you close your eyes for a minute? And I want to say to you this, church. Next week, Sunday, we'll have our celebration service. We didn't have this week because everyone's on holiday and all over the country. But next week, we're going to celebrate like we've never celebrated. As we go into October, we know that God is doing a new thing. But I want to say this to you this morning. That as you journey this day, make sure that your heart is in the right place. Make sure that this Jesus that you preach is a Jesus that you've fallen in love with because he's fallen in love with you. Yes, you're going to face challenges. But I want to say to you, the word of God said that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You see, we only feel condemned when we're outside of Christ. We feel condemned when we truly don't understand who he is and what he wants to do in my life. That he wants, he wants to do through my life. And right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come. Lord, we read then Acts how Philip preached and our people got saved. Oh, but when the Holy Spirit came, when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. Everything changed, Father. And this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come in the name of Jesus. That we would preach no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of the Most High God that died and rose again, that my sins can be removed as far as the east is from the west, that he may have reconciled me to Christ, the hope of glory. And there we are this morning. It's just it's time for you to say, Father, I want you to get to know Jesus, the King of glory. I don't want to hear about him. I don't want to listen to what other people have got to say. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would give me the passion and the relentlessness in me to fall in love and get to know this Jesus personally, me and him, me and him. And save us from ourselves and save us from our thought. And, and Lord, I ignore the attack of the enemy in our lives this week. Because your word says that when the enemy comes like a flood, you will raise up a standard. And I pray this morning that the standard would be raised this morning in all of our lives, in everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we hear, in everything we see. May you be glorified. May, with passion, we reveal the truth of Christ to those around us. I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. See you guys next week. Are we going to close in the song, Devil? Let's just close in the song. We've got a few minutes. Have a blessing.